I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Sacktown Royalty Show. I'm your host, Tony Zipteris, and we have got plenty of NBA draft rumors ranging from uh, fascinating to, I guess I would say, depressing to talk about on the podcast this week. And joining me on the show today to dive into some of those rumors is Sam Vecini from The Athletic. Sam, I know you're incredibly busy this time of year. How are you holding up? <laughs> uh, by like a thread, kind of, <laughs> I would say. So it's funny, I said this on the podcast uh, that will be released today on Thursday. Uh, I went to see Hereditary on Monday. Okay. And what an incredibly poor decision that was to do during the middle of draft rumor season because I haven't gotten a full night's sleep in like the last three nights. Mm -hmm. So you're working with, you know, delirious me in terms of speaking, tired me, and just coming off of watching DeAndre Ayton defensive tape. So uh, very, very strange point in my life right now, Tony. Uh, you can't, like, turn away from the computer for a minute. I fell asleep last night before the Porter Jr. workout and exam were canceled and woke up to just a, a disaster. It was a nightmare. Everyone's speculating. That yeah, you, you made the right call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> We'll start with Michael Porter Jr., though, because he's one of the guys that uh, him, along with Marvin Bagley and Luka Doncic, are kind of where the Kings are looking right now, according to most people. Um, I'll recap it for anyone who missed it, but uh, as of yesterday, the Kings were scheduled to go see Porter work out and have an independent medical examination in Chicago. Late last night, like I said, it was reported that both the workout and exam were canceled, leaving everyone to kind of start speculating that Porter might have a first-round promise somewhere, a top-ten promise somewhere. Um, then this morning, ESPN broke the story that Porter suffered a strained hip that was uh, so bad he couldn't get out of bed, which is a very dramatic description of, of his situation there. Um, and shortly after ESPN's report dropped, Porter's camp put out a vague statement saying uh, that Porter will be evaluated again Thursday night tonight. And if the doctor feels Porter is moving well enough to go through a medical evaluation, they will stay on schedule and hold that evaluation tomorrow. But it doesn't sound like a real workout is going to happen. Um, this is just a weird bizarre series of events for a guy with plenty of question marks already just a week before the draft. And I suppose we'll find out more information tomorrow. But uh, what do you make of all this Porter Jr. stuff? I just think it's funny at this stage that like NBA draft consumers, including myself, are just so like conditioned to assume that, oh, if he's pulling out of this workout and shutting it down, it's a promise. He's uh, He's going somewhere for sure in his team or they're trying to like position him to go there promises in my experience at least happen pretty rarely mm -hmm. uh, at least like legitimate ones uh in terms of like you know we are making sure that we take you at number 14 shut down your workouts boom uh like campaign was a promise at 14 for Oklahoma City. One of them that often gets reported is Jarrell Martin for Memphis a few years ago. That wasn't even really a promise from what I was told. They just ended up liking Jarrell Martin because uh, Tyus Jones was taking the selection before. So, like, 
whenever people report promises, I am always very skeptical because you only have to look at the Lakers this year for proof of that because so far the Lakers have been reported to promise Kevin Herter at 25, Mitchell Robinson at 25. They've been said to be infatuated by Zaire Smith to try and move up in the draft for him. (laughs) It's just a season of misinformation right now. And you have to try and navigate the waters and figure out what exactly is going on. And often the simplest explanation and answer ends up being what happens, in my opinion. And uh, in Porter's case, everyone was speculating about promises and everything like that. I kind of just assumed that he wasn't working out because he was hurt. And that was part of like my initial reticence whenever they announced that they were going to do this workout and they were going to release medicals to every single team in the league and, you know, do all of this and that because the way that they've positioned it now, if they under deliver on that, it's a pretty significant problem for them. And I mean that in terms of priority, the Porter family, everything like that, like, if they don't figure out a way to get medicals and have team doctors for each team see Michael Porter and give him a medical check, I mean, I feel like that might end up being a situation where it pushes him down the board because whenever you're talking about a draft that is as top-heavy as this one, that has as much talent as it does, the smallest stuff can really push you down. And, you know, in Michael Porter's case and in all of these teams' cases – they're going to absolutely have to see the medical reports before uh, selecting Michael Porter in the top five, I think. The Kings play-by-play announcer, Grant Napier, has a radio show here in Sacramento. He's been saying that you know the Kings are taking Michael Porter Jr., assuming his medical is clear, and they will not take him if they don't get clearance from the guys that they trust, not necessarily the Chicago doctors. It would need to be this independent yeah. evaluation that may or may not take place. We'll see tomorrow. Um, of course, Grant Grant might have misinformation too, because as you've said many times, this is the season of, of misinformation. It's really hard. I know Zach Lowe said it too. It's really hard to take anything out there right now at face value completely. Yeah, no, no question. And, you know, I've been on Grant's radio show a bunch of times. I think Grant does a great job. And from what I've been told, my information like kind of lines up with his. I, I wouldn't be as strong mm-hmm. in saying it that – if they're if they get the medicals and it checks out, they're definitely taking Michael Porter. But I, I've been told throughout the year that the Kings really like Michael Porter and they really want him to check out medically and they want uh, to get a further look at him and you know potentially select him on draft night. So, I mean, again, like I wouldn't go as strong as Grant did, but I mean that that lines up for the most part. The Kings are absolutely considering Michael Porter. Do you think that's foolish? I mean, let's let's assume for the king's sake that like all the medicals line up and, and as much as they can. And that's kind of a funny thing too because we know that he's hurt right now. So I'm not sure and and we don't know the degree to the like how bad his hip is, but I don't know, you know, I don't know how clear the medicals are going to be when he, you have a guy taking an exam with a a hip issue that that sounds fairly painful. So I'm not sure how it's going to be like completely clear, but let's say for the king's sake the medical's clear, everything looks fine, um, and they take him second. Does that seem like a, a foolish decision to you, or, or do you think Porter's potential is, is high enough that you know you can kind of look past the injury injury risk? Yeah, it's one of those cases where it's not the pick that I would make, but it's a totally reasonable selection. 
Okay. Right. Um, Michael Porter is an incredible talent when he is on the floor. He is six foot eleven with a nine foot standing reach, can score from three levels, has great body control, great fluidity. Um, he stands straight up a lot defensively and kind of plays very high in a way. But the big question there is obviously, again, how much of that is the back and how much, you know, flexibility and, uh, you know, body mechanical development can the team that selects him do with him to improve those aspects of his game. I would imagine a pretty decent amount, given how explosive and fluid he is as an athlete in general. Uh, so I totally respect the pick and would understand it if they get the full medical checks back and if everything uh, for their doctors checks out. Now, what I will say is this, too. Every team has a very, very different process in terms of medicals. Some teams are more willing to take the risk when it comes to medical checks and, uh, you know, maybe, maybe take long-term medical risks. Uh, like the Nets the last few years. The Nets took Karis LeVert a couple years ago at number 20 when his talent probably indicated that he should go 20, but he was the recipient of, I think, three foot surgeries over the course of the last three years of his career. You can say the same about the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers, you know, they took both Edmund Sumner and E.K. Onabogu last year when a lot of teams had both those guys totally off their boards because of medical checks. A lot of it's going to come down to how comfortable the Kings are with their medical team and how risk-averse or risky they want to be in their uh, long-term viability of this draft selection. We do know they took Harry Giles last year, so there is some some history there with kind of, uh, overlooking whatever, if there may be like a, some blips and, on the uh, medicals there, they can kind of, yeah, there were multiple teams last year. I can tell you that had Harry Giles totally off their board. Interesting. So yeah, we talked about, uh, Michael Porter jr. Already Marvin Bagley is another name you're seeing associated with the Sacramento Kings out there. The two knocks on Bagley is, as I see it, you may disagree with me here is uh, his size, for one. He was in Sacramento for a workout this week, and he was standing next to Peja Stojakovic and Vlade Divac. I know this is a very unscientific way to determine someone's height, but he did look, you know, he looked shorter than both those guys, which was kind of surprising to me. I I always envisioned him, and watching him play at Duke, as a full-size power forward, so I was surprised watching that workout footage, and he appeared shorter than I would have expected. And he wasn't at the combine, so we don't have concrete measurements for him yet. And then his defense. Um, he has defensive concerns that everyone has sort of reported on. How legitimate are those concerns, in your opinion? In terms of the defense, let's start there. I, I think that the defense is a pretty real concern. He is not a particularly reactive defender. I totally understand that he's going on this Donald Trumpian lying spree about, (laughs) I think I'm a great defender. Uh, No, I mean, he's not a good defender right now. Like, let's just kind of be honest. Just because he's Mm -hmm. saying it doesn't mean it's accurate. And this comes from someone who is Marvin Bagley at number three on his board. Mm -hmm. I think he is an incredible talent. Uh, He just needs to work on his defensive instincts. And the part of that that gives me hope and why I have him so highly rated is that he basically has never really gotten great 
defensive coaching throughout the course of his career. You know, this is a guy in AAU that was coached by his dad because, you know, it's been reported at this stage that Nike plopped down a good amount of money uh, to get him signed for whenever he becomes an NBA player, like he's on the precipice of being. So didn't really get great coaching there. Sorry, Mr. Bagley. Uh, Went to Duke. Duke is not necessarily a bastion of defensive success over the last like six years. If you look back, uh, eventually they end up playing zone. So they just kind of quit trying to teach him man-to-man fundamentals. So I think if he gets with a, he's athletic enough to where if he gets with a really good coaching staff and gets with a group of guys that can really help him on that end, I think he can be absolutely totally fine because you look at him athletically, great quick twitch athleticism, uh, absolutely one of the most fluid athletes at six foot 11 that I have ever seen in my life. Uh, it just has great body control, great, uh, second, third jump ability. There is, there are a lot of tools there defensively to where you can feel, okay, he was terrible in college. We think we can do something with that though, and get him better because he just turned 19 years old in terms of the height and size stuff. I mean, he plays smaller than what he is. I do think he's probably six ten and a half, six eleven, somewhere okay. in that range in terms of measurements. Mm-hmm. But I think it's fair to say he plays smaller than that on the floor. I mean, he is like a seven foot one wingspan, something in that range. Uh, not necessarily like super super long. He kind of has a long neck too, if you look at him. And you know, sometimes that can add or subtract like a height of effective height right like Dwight Howard mm-hmm. was measured at six foot nine whenever he came into the NBA draft combine and his neck was so small though that you know it actually ended up being just like kind of a weird thing because you know effectively he played much larger like a guy that was six ten, six eleven, something like that so uh, yeah I mean it's I understand where the concern would come from but I, I would just say to watch the tape and you know kind of make your own judgments in terms of how big he plays i wouldn't judge it based off of him standing next to vladi divas sure. yeah totally fair uh the thing i like most about bagley is uh kind of his work ethic and motor and it's hard to put a value on on things like that how confident are you in bagley just outworking maybe some of the other members of this draft class in terms of improving on what we perceive as weaknesses right now like i know the jump shot this question's about that but i'm of the mind that if this guy is kind of the worker that that we're being told he is Things like the jump shot, things like maybe the defense, like you mentioned, are stuff that it's not hard to see how he can improve on those things. I tend to agree. Yeah. I mean, he works hard on the floor. There's never been really a concern about that. Um, He's always been someone that has had a lot handed to him just Mm -hmm. by nature of being the number one player in his class, basically for his entire life. Uh, You know, he was basically like, the best prospect since Anthony Davis or whatever, whenever he went to Duke and reclassified. So like, I think that there's a bit of a learning curve in terms of figuring out just how hard you have to work every single game, night in, night out, training session in, training session out to get to the point where you're going to be comfortable. But at the same time, this guy is just an absolute freak athletically. And uh, I kind of trust that to carry over whenever you're talking about the fact that he has great flexibility great bend, great finishing ability, great touch. And I'm not real worried about the shot from what I've seen, to be honest. I think that he'll be able to shoot it in time. Uh, You touched on this in your most recent mock draft Monday, uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to projecting what the Kings are thinking. 
just a week before the draft. Yeah. Um, most people do seem locked in on Doncic, Bagley, or Porter, but there really isn't a consensus. Do you think that uncertainty is because the Kings themselves haven't made up their mind, or is the lack of consensus due to the fact that there's so much information and misinformation that it's kind of impossible to determine what's real and what isn't real? And, and if they haven't made up their mind, is that uncommon? Like, should the Kings know who they want at two right now, considering, you know, we kind of know Aiton is going to Phoenix, so it's almost as if they have the first pick for whoever's left over. No, I think it's fine at this stage, to be honest. Um, you're going to go through all of your due diligence. Sometimes it takes some time to get guys in and meet them and become comfortable with them personally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> Kings fans, I'm sure, are very familiar with that process oh, and yeah. all the reporting that's gone on over the years uh, about guys refusing or granting them workout privileges. We're going so through this year, I think too. That, to an extent. Yeah, no, no question yeah. you are because of Michael Porter and his, you know, desire to not be seen, basically. So, like, you know, I, I don't think it's an uncommon circumstance for the Kings to not have decided yet. I don't think they have decided yet. But I also do think that they are playing that up at okay. this stage. They yeah. are, they are kind of letting it loose a little bit that – you know, we're down to X, Y, and Z guys. We're considering, you know, multiple players at this stage because this is a draft where because there are four or five guys at that top tier, uh, you could very easily see a circumstance where the Kings decide, hey, it is beneficial for us to trade out of this pick. It's beneficial for us to try and accumulate more assets going forward, maybe consolidate some of our assets now into pieces that we think can help us win a little bit sooner than where we're at now. There are just a lot of factors, I think, that kind of give the Kings reason to play up this uncertainty in terms of who they're play who they're going to take, because, uh, you know, there's no reason to let anyone know until uh, June 21st at what, I guess it'll be like 7:35. Yeah. There's a uh, Vlade. Vlade has a track record of trading down too. He's done it. Um, Twice already, and if they, you know, if they like Michael Porter Jr. as much as some people say, and then you can get him at what five or six or something like that. I mean, I'm sure he's at least exploring those options. Uh, yeah, no question. I think that he would. We haven't heard anything overtly negative about Luka Doncic from the Sacramento Kings. We've just heard some vague reports that maybe they aren't totally in love with him, as other teams might be. If that's the case, do you have any insight as to why that might be? It just seems bizarre for a team like the Kings with guys like Vlade Divac and Pedro Stojakovic in the front office to be this indifferent towards the most accomplished European prospect we've ever seen? Or again, is this just smokescreen pre-draft nonsense kind of thing? Oh, man, I don't know that I would say it's smokescreen pre-draft nonsense, but I don't think it's as negative as it's been portrayed necessarily, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, You know, I I reached out after the ESPN report, which I'm sure is where a lot of this is coming from, uh, saying that the Kings you know, aren't in love with Luka Doncic. I kind of reached out around the league. And, you know, as I said in my mock draft that I recently published on mm-hmm. Monday, I, you know, it wasn't necessarily that teams knew that, you know, Luka Doncic is not the guy for them. And like, they thought that, you know, the Kings are not taking Luka Doncic. They're not high on him. It was more just kind of like an absence of information or, you know, maybe, maybe like an ambivalence. Like we're not, not entirely sure more than anything. And again, like I think that the circumstance that Vladi Divots and Peja and Vivek are very happy to kind of play up at this stage. So 
I'm not entirely sure what to think of that. The reason why you would be skeptical of Luka Doncic is if you believe that he isn't going to work as hard as some of the other American players to really improve upon his weaknesses. If you are concerned about the body and the frame that he has currently, because, you know, he's not necessarily the most in shape guy right now. You have to believe that he's going to really put in the time and effort to his body to get to the point where he's going to improve. But I mean, honestly, I think teams are overthinking it. Um, I think that there's a good chance the Kings will take him, to be honest. And they're trying to play this all up so that they can, you know, maybe get a crazy offer for a Michael Porter or something like that and slide back. So I think that it's just so hard right now with the Kings because they hold the keys to the draft in so many ways. Uh, How they go is going to inform the rest of this entire selection process. And it's going to be pretty fun to watch. A worry that we have here in Sacramento is that Vlade has sort of drafted for need in the past. And it hasn't always been that way. But there is a line of thinking that the Kings are pretty guard-heavy right now with De'Aaron Fox, uh, Buddy Hilton, and Bogdan Bogdanovich being their three best players. And if you are of the mind that Doncic really can't defend NBA threes, which I think is a that could be a fair assessment. I, I mean, it's hard to say without seeing it. But do you think that is something that could be entering the, the mind of the Kings here? Like maybe Doncic just isn't the best fit for what we have right now for a team that is already kind of a little undersized when you talk about a guy like Buddy Hill, or Bogdan Bogdanovich playing three last year because they didn't really have a traditional three. Then you bring in Doncic, who is another guy who's probably best at two, at least defensively, or maybe he's not because he's not, you know, super quick to guard shooting guards either. But, you know, do you think, do you think fit is part of the equation here? Like are the top three guys are looking at, Doncic, Bagley, and Porter close enough where you can say maybe one guy's a better fit for us, we'll go there. For me personally, mm-hmm. no, they aren't. I, I would just take Luka Doncic. Yeah, but, that's where I'm at. Uh, just especially given the, uh, what the fit is around the Kings roster, I think they could actually really use a guy like Luka Doncic, who is a potential three-level scorer, as like a primary slash super high-level secondary ball handler. Because if you look at Luka Doncic's past, He's always been most successful playing around other lead guards. Like mm-hmm. at Real, he plays next to Facundo Campazzo, who is uh, Argentina's point guard. And then, you know, in the Eurobasket last year, he played next to Goran Dragic. Like, I think he's always going to be at his best playing next to another true lead guard. So I wouldn't be real worried about putting him next to another guy like that. Having said that, I mean, I can see a circumstance where, you know, Vladi is like, yeah, you know, we really want like a stretch four because we think it'll help uh, De'Aaron Fox and it'll help Bogdan Bogdanovich like develop around those guys because uh, I am a big believer in the idea of roster fit and, you know, competent playing time and competent roster uh, and lineup, you know, development and mechanics playing a big role in the way that a player develops around the King system or around any system. So, if you believe that drafting a stretch four helps De'Aaron Fox a little bit and you've got Michael Porter and Luka Doncic neck and neck and everything checks out with both of them medically and in terms of their background, I really don't have a problem for drafting for need and fit if you actually think they're that close. Mm-hmm. Again, I just don't think they're that close. All right, Sam, that's uh, that's going to do it for us here. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. Um, good luck this week. Uh, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your stuff? Yeah, go to The Athletic. Uh, We're going to have some really great draft content up there this week. 
Go to uh, the Game Theory Podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Android, wherever you get podcasts. I'm sure we're up there. All right. Thanks, Sam. Have a good night. Yep. You too, Tony. ready to take the next step. I'm ready for a university that will help me advance in my education and career. A university that will make me feel supported and connected. I'm ready for ODU Online. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today. I'm ready to make my credits count. I'm ready to take classes from a university that will help me build on my experience to prepare me for the future. A university that will make me feel supported, encouraged, and connected. Click this ad or go to online.odu.edu today.